This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Christian Terbish. Welcome back from the break. I'm Christian Tevish, and this is Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. Today we are talking about logistics and shipments. In the first half of the show, I had the pleasure of talking with Bob, uh, with uh, Greg Ewart. Excuse me, Greg Ewart is the CEO of DHL Express. Uh, it is now my great pleasure of welcoming my second guest for today, Bob Farrell, who is the CEO of Global Trends. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Christian. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Bob, as a CEO of a logistics company, have you ever driven a truck or delivery vehicle, or are you more like a computer person? <laughs> That's a great question. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a computer person, and Trans is really a technology company that happens to move freight. If you think about all the changes that have happened in and how goods are moved around the world, uh, there's the physical part of the transportation, there's the physical part of, of logistics and supply chain management, um, but... Behind all that is technology, and that's, uh, that's, the, that's the role that Global Trans plays in that ecosystem. Help us understand that ecosystem. So there's full truckload and less than full on their individual packages and their containers. What market segments does Global Trans play in? Well, Global Trans plays in, in, all, of those, in all of those markets across all of those modes. And, and what we essentially do is we provide a platform that connects shippers with carriers. It's very difficult whether you're a small e-commerce-based shipper or a large industrial shipper to get access to all the capacity that you need. Sure, you might have relationships direct carriers across any of those modes, um, but you have a lot of requirements that are, are, are seasonal, um, things that happen at peak, and getting access to that capacity is really what a third-party logistics provider like Global Trans does with its technology. When some 10 years ago we moved a container from France to the United States for, for our move, I could not help but think that this is a really broken industry. Um, it's, it's kind of this one-off shipment where you have like one container and uh, as opposed to like a just-in-time supply chain. Um, is a one-off shipment, is, is that a real kind of piecemeal business where everything is project managed as opposed to having like solid workflows in place? Uh, more and more we see... Um Across the spectrum of, of size companies, people having a much more defined workflow in terms of how they're how they're moving goods, and I do think that over the last ten years, things have improved dramatically. We have a lot of data available now that lets us know where all the assets are, whether those assets are a container or a partial truck availability or a full truck availability. Being able to see all that in real time and get access to it at effective rates for the shippers, which is probably the most important part for the shipping side of the equation, um, has changed dramatically. And the sophistication, if you think about the uh, the logisticians that are graduating from college today out of some of the some of the good programs across the U.S., uh, the, these are people who are a combination of data analyst, quant people, uh, and, and business people all wrapped into one. So the, the sophistication and capabilities of the people in the industry, the workflows in the industry, and the technology in the industry are really driving things forward. But freight, and contrary to our DHL discussion in the first half of the show today, um, is, is still a pretty fragmented business, isn't it? With kind of lots of mom-and-pop firms that have like uh, one to five trucks, uh, or has that, that gone away? No, uh, it's a very fragmented industry in the U.S., particularly as it relates to surface transportation. The, uh, there are very few large 
uh, carriers from a full truckload perspective. Uh, you have a lot of companies out there with four, five, 20 trucks. They, those organizations really do rely on third-party logistics providers to get them access to the freight. Uh, to allow for them to get their drivers home in a, in a, in a reasonable cycle, um, all of those things. As you probably are well aware, um, the average age of a driver in this country is, is you know, north of 50 years old on the, on the over-the-road side. Um, that is contributing to this whole fragmentation uh, challenge that, that, that we see and, and, you know, probably is one of the drivers behind um, the work on uh, autonomous trucking. We'll speak about autonomous trucking in a moment. I wanted to go back to kind of a, a concept, a word that you used earlier on. You mentioned uh, Global Trans being a platform. Now, with platforms, mm-hmm. I think most of us associate Uber as with a, with a market cap that is bigger than the one of BMW, uh, although they don't make any cars and short of the, the small autonomous fleets, they don't own any car. Uh, you are also a platform, a broker. Would you be offended if I called you an Uber or freight, or do you think of your business differently? Well, we think of our business a, a lot, a lot more differently than than Uber does. And Uber does Uber Freight is is out there dealing with uh, a lot of the very, very small trucking firms. You know, a lot of times where they're, they, the the individual has one truck. It's a one truck operation. And if you look at logistics, the challenge is only partially embedded in finding the capacity and getting access to the capacity. The other side of it is dealing with all the challenges that have happened, working with your customers to automate appointment setting, making sure you mentioned just-in-time uh, supply chain logistics earlier, making sure that uh, the, the material goods are arriving when they need to arrive, helping uh, organizations um, uh, with their inventory turns so that actually the logistics part of the equation becomes a strategic imperative and a driver of operative advantage uh, in, in the company. So I don't think Uber Freight is addressing all of those things. I think they're, they're um, simply trying to match drivers, truckers, individual truckers with some freight that they may have. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it, you know, we, we, can't, we can't have a truck drop off because a driver decided at the last minute he didn't want the load. And, you know, equating that to um, an Uber driver calling you while you're standing at the airport and uh, finding out where you want to go and not wanting to go there. Um, uh, we can't have that kind of uh, uh, environment within, uh, with, within our platform. So you're aiming for the more, almost more consulting service of you mentioned that you would help your customers manage their inventory turns, optimize their supply chains. That is much more of a collaborative arrangement, I would imagine, than a more transactional arrangement where I have this package that has to go from A to B tomorrow. Well, we handle, we handle all of that. If you, if you think of the trends in e-commerce, um, e-commerce is you know, now as much a B2B phenomena as it is a B2C phenomena. And uh, so we need to be able to handle the transactional freight that our customers um, have alongside of the predictable, what we would call contractual freight that they have. And, and balancing those two things and understanding that, you know, we've got a, a partial truckload and the other half of the truck can be used for this transactional freight at very attractive rates. You mentioned the new generation of graduates, uh, many like you, very tech-savvy. How are things like big data and data analytics played out in your world? 
big data, data analytics, um, artificial intelligence, machine learning, all of that is playing out uh, in a very big way in, in our world. We are, uh, you know, more than ever looking at how we can do predictive a- analytics to help prevent a shipment from being late or more importantly to prevent a manufacturing line from going down because the shipment is going to be late re you know di- diverting product from other locations to get it someplace in time uh, and understanding all the data and providing an analytical environment in which to uh, to not only be able to see it but to be able to act on it it's it's somewhat easy to provide the the fancy visibility uh, on a on a screen and and that that's that's the good eye candy behind all of that. It's more difficult to take an action based on what that analytics is is driving. And then it comes down to you know even more simple things. You know you look at the less than truckload world and um, the volume of shipments that happen there, and um, just understanding that um, a particular address is a residence or a farm or some special access situation. Once you know that information, it doesn't change. So when a shipment gets entered through an e-commerce-like system and uh, it's going to a farm, you know there's going to be special delivery requirements, and you can predict predict ahead of time rather than having the shipment arrive and the driver not being able to, to unload. So what are the typical use cases for any predictive analytics? Is it the, the, the ones of weather and traffic delays to you have a just-in-time manufacturing system with inventory turns of multiple turns even per day, so you're running an hour late and you have to kind of alert the line? Is, is that kind of that planning the typical use case or one of the typical use cases? Yeah, that's, that's one of the use cases. Uh, I think as a third-party provider, Uh, the other big use case for us is uh, on the on the full truck load side to be able to identify uh, a continuous um, set of of loading for a particular asset so that we're taking a truck from point A to point B. We know that that truck's going to be at point B in two days. Um, what other freight in the network of our broad third party environment can we now put onto that truck? and eventually circle it back uh, after a few days, four or five loads, to where that driver lives. So using, using the, the, the data to actually be a shipper of choice or a third-party logistics provider of choice uh, is, is, is a big use case for us. I think the other thing is um, trying to maximize uh, the OR for our, our carriers. The, the these carriers often operate at pretty razor thin margins, and there are certain freight that works better in the networks of certain carriers. Being able to to provide that freight to them, predictive and in a predictive way, um, and as far in advance as possible, is really driven by our our ability to to analyze the data and to to to, to make decisions based on it. In case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio. I'm your host, Christian Tevich, and I have the pleasure of chatting with Bob Farrell, the CEO of Global Trans, a global logistics, third-party logistics provider company. And we're talking about data analytics, predictive modeling, deep learning, AI, and all these good things in the world of logistics. Um, now, Bob, as somebody who has a PhD in operations, I, I've always been puzzled over the last couple of years how something that used to be called operations research and optimization is now called AI and big data. 
Um, how 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 much of the kind of the situations of managing a fleet of routing vehicles intelligently is just kind of good old good old operations research versus really true AI with pattern recognition, deep learning, and other techniques? I think it's a it's a combination of of, of the two. Obviously, there's uh, the contemporary buzzwords that get assigned to to some of some of what we're doing. But I think some things that are different is that there is a lot more data out there. There is a lot more technology out there that allows you to analyze and learn from that data and to make and to implement automated decision making. But I think that the advancements of the technology along with the proliferation of the data are our biggest challenge is to 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 make sure that the data that we have is the data that we want and to you know sift through the 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 information that is really important and bubble it up to the top. We're generating so much, so much data every day that um, uh, it's easy to get defocused and derailed from from the mission at at hand. So as part of your logistics operation, you must be tracking every truck or every every minute they're driving in, in geolocation and speed and weather conditions and traffic conditions. Uh, you have, if you wanted, you had access to all of that data? To, to a degree. So it really, you know, you were speaking earlier about the fragmentation of the, the trucking industry, particularly in the U.S., and um, some of these smaller trucking companies don't have the level of technology that um, allows for all of that tracking. So we, for example, use MacroPoint software, uh, which is a you know cell phone-based piece of technology that allows you to collect certain data about the location and uh, the, the situation that, the, that the, the truck might be in. It doesn't give you um, a lot of other data that you know an onboard and in-cab system would, would give you. Now, recently... Uh, there's been a new mandate around electronic logging devices, or ELD, in the industry, which initially was implemented to manage hours of service, but also provides a platform in every truck to collect a lot of other information. Um, I think at the moment, there is a lack of standards around some of those platforms, and over time, there'll be some standardization there, which will in some regards, commoditize uh, the basic data, but it should create an overall increase in efficiency in the industry. When you do your vehicle routing, your fleet management, are you relying on platforms such as Waze or Google Maps or other kind of navigation systems out there, or is that something that is everybody does on their own and has their own kind of secret sauce of optimizing that? We we use an integrated environment of of technology and data that we have along with industry software and, and data. We try to cross uh, cross intersect the, the different pieces of information to, to make the best decisions that, that are possible. And we do that not only for um, route planning and optimization kind of activities like you're describing, but also for pricing and capacity planning. Um, there's a lot of data that uh, we generate uh, as a company that we use for that, but we're also very interested in all the industry information that is is coming forth. So you really need a platform that can consume all of those different um, heterogeneous heterogeneous pieces of, of data 
and pull it into uh, one environment to give you answers that are actionable. Now, my show is called Work of Tomorrow, and so I want to drill, zoom in on some of the jobs that are kind of happening in the logistics industry. How much labor is there still involved today when you're moving a container or something less than truckload from A to B? Uh, what, what are, is it the last mile problem where most of the action are happening, the labor is happening at the beginning or the end? Or wh where is the labor, if you would break it up like uh, from, from a shipment that you do? Uh, is, where, where, where does most of the, the, the labor content sit? I think you hit the nail on the head, of the, uh, particularly with less than truckload, a lot of the labor is in, in, in the beginning. And, and then at the end, if you look at the automation in between things like automated cross-docking, um, particularly as it relates, obviously, to parcel, it's very, very automated. But even in the less than truckload world today, we see more and more automation in in, uh, uh, in uh, distribution centers and in cross-docking environments where um, loads are um, consolidated and uh, deconsolidated and, and reconsolidated on, on another truck without uh, a lot of human uh, a lot of human interaction. Final mile is a very big challenge. Uh, if you think about um, the kinds of things that businesses and consumers are buying uh, um, through e-commerce, Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're larger items. They're, they're, they're being shipped directly from manufacturers in many cases. And um, there are a lot of specialty carriers that are developing to, to, to make those deliveries. So you've got, in some cases, you know, multi-vendor, um, multi-carrier shipments that um, create some potentially extra labor in the equation, but are really what allow for the, the e-commerce type shipment to, 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 to happen. So you mentioned cross-stocking and the automation thereby from, from, from distribution centers. Um, everybody's talking about these autonomous vehicles and everybody has their own forecast on how, how quickly and in what use case it will emerge. What is your take on this? How will this change the industry? Well, I think that um, uh, in the United States, one of the challenges around autonomous vehicles is the overall infrastructure, particularly like on the East Coast, very difficult to to uh, to see that implementation happening anytime soon. Our view is that uh, you'll see these um, consolidation centers start to develop outside of major cities where you'll have an autonomous vehicle move from outside of Las Vegas to 30 miles outside of, of L.A. and You'll have a, a human driver uh, take the the shipment the rest of the the rest of the way in. We've seen demonstrations of this technology. It's being used in in small ways uh, right now. Um, I think we're a long way away from uh, it being um, found across the board, um, but we see that it is going to be driven a lot by the fact that there's just such a shortage of drivers and um, a lack of people entering into that field of work. So it's going to force the issue a little bit. In Europe, there seems to be a little bit more, uh, they seem to be a little bit more progressive in, in, in moving forward with, with uh, the autonomous trucking uh, paradigm. There's a lot better infrastructure in certain countries that, that are allowing for it. And then there's a bunch of things in between, things like platooning, where you have um, essentially a train of of trucks traveling at a relatively high rate of speed, um, uh, often at odd hours of the day, moving goods pretty pretty quickly uh, into 
urban environments where then the urban infrastructure is used to um, do the, the, the last bit of the final mile logistics. So it's really less of a last mile, but more like a last 10 or 20 miles, right? So when you come to Philadelphia, you wouldn't go like a mile or two miles from a house. You probably would switch the dissolve the platoon or switch the autonomous driving off when you hit somewhere around Allentown. Yeah, something like that, exactly. So do you see the business overall growing or is it steady? How How is this whole disintegrated, globally spread supply chains, the e-commerce. Um, is, is this increasing the need for shipment, or have we reached a point where this is all solid and we're basically seeing effects such as people are consuming more digital products and thereby there's just less need to ship stuff around? How is my industry growing? Uh, at, the, at the moment, we still see a lot of growth in this industry. The growth is going to be different than what it was in the in the, in the past. We see the less in truckload world and you know, specialty shipping requirements increasing dramatically and changing the need for certain types of equipment, certain types of services. We see there being fewer longer haul um, uh, shipments being made. We see a lot of uh, SKUs being put closer to where the end user might be, whether that end user is a, a consumer or, uh, or or a business. I mean, obviously, if you live in certain parts of this country, you can get your Amazon shipment same day because they've got that product pretty pretty nearby, um, and you can you know move that model out to to think about um, broader broader businesses as, as well. So, I think that the dynamics of of the environment are changing, uh, and that's that's creating a growth. It's particularly creating growth for technology-driven environments. Um, the um, simple movement of goods from point A to point B uh, is no longer just need to have a lot of technology involved in that to make sure that that shipment is facilitating whatever other strategic uh, imperatives are associated with the goods that are being moved. So we talked about the labor shortage. If we think about the workforce here in five or ten years from now, is there going to be a substitution of more and more data scientists, computer scientists, uh, quant people sitting in, in centrally organized offices in a nice place and having then the, the, the trucks either with a driver or some of that partly without a driver just moving along? Is, is the nature of the logistics job changing to a, a quant discipline away from the good old trucker? Yeah, we we believe so. I think that um, you're never going to replace um, the human aspect 100%, at least not in the foreseeable future. But certainly logisticians and quant people and people who are uh, uh, you know, technology-driven individuals are going to play a bigger role from a centralized location. Uh, you, you, it's, you don't have to go far to see demonstrations of, of automated uh, unloading of trucks and um, you know, automated forklifts, pick-and-pack, uh, robotics. All of those things are changing the the nature of the people that need to be involved in in this industry, and it's it really is a much more sophisticated part of of, of um, organizations today. It's not um, it's not uh, it's not an unsophisticated part of the business. 
Now, Bob, I know that predictions uh, are always hard, but let's make them interesting for a radio show. Uh, how long How long will we have to wait till when you drive down an interstate like I-95 on the West Coast I-5 that you will have more than 10% of the trucks that you pass in your regular car have no driver in them? How long will that take? Uh, my guess is 20 to 25 years. So that is a fairly conservative estimate in many ways. I mean, I, I, I've, I've heard estimates ranging to that question from five to 50 years, and so, so you're back on the, in the middle there. But it's still a while, right? I, I believe that it is. Um, in, in certain respects, I wish it was quicker. And if I was working for an autonomous trucking company, I probably would give you a lower estimate. But um, the uh, the reality is that uh, it's not just the technology from the truck perspective. It's the infrastructure has to catch up. And, um, you know, you mentioned I-95. Um, I live in the New York area and travel I-95 often up in between New York and Connecticut and upward to Boston. And the infrastructure there is just not ready yet. And I think half the time that it, that it will take to get to that level of 10% of the trucks, 15% of the trucks being autonomous, is going to be dependent upon getting the infrastructure uh, to a suitable state. It's not just technology, says Bob Farrell, the CEO of Global Trans. Thank you so much, Bob. We've reached the end Thank of you. today's show today. Uh, you've been listening to Work of Tomorrow here on Business Radio, powered by the Warden School. If you want to have access to some of our older episodes, uh, check out our website, workoftomorrow.com. At this point, let me thank our sound expert, Dion, and my producer, Matt, for their wonderful support. We hope you can join us again this coming Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. I'm Christian Tervish, and on behalf of all of us here at the Warden School, thank you for listening. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 